the time has finally come, everyone. Welcome back to the Chaos Ball Podcast. It's the Seattle Mariners season preview. We're done with all the divisional podcasts. We've made it through. This is officially content week. I'm dubbing it content week. Uh, leading up to the season, just a ferocious uh, uh, um, effort from myself to get all this uh, this stuff out this week, but I'm glad I'm able to do it. And it all leads up to this. The Seattle Mariners season preview. Let's go. Let's get into it. Now, what did the team do last year? Well, they went 90 and 72. Uh, their Pythag was 89 and 73. So, played great ball for most of the year. Went on a pretty sick 14 game winning streak. Oh, broke a 21 year playoff drought, courtesy of uh, Big Dumper himself. What what a season! I mean, the best season I've ever witnessed in my entire life, uh, from the Mariners. Um, there' not much else to say about it. They broke the drought. The vibes were fantastic. The team is pretty likable. We're nationally relevant. Julio won Rookie of the Year. We had Julio make his debut. Calrelli really come into his own. Uh, George Kirby and Logan Gilbert. Both young pitchers showing a tremendous promise. We had guys like Sam Haggerty making crazy cool contributions and becoming like a cult hero. Uh, the the Jesse Winker trade ended up being the Eugenio Suarez trade. Uh, we added Luis Castillo at the deadline. Just what a season. What a success. Looking to build on it this year. Uh, the vibes were so high going into the offseason. I will say before anything else, we are the Mariners are projected in the middle eighties, right around with the Angels at like 85, 84 wins ish. Um, low considering what this team did last year, but also uh, the Mariners have smashed the projections the past few years. This is just a team that's built to do that. Uh, the way they're set up, not only winning runner in games, courtesy of their bullpen, but just kind of again, I I don't think you can ever discount. Vi- like clubhouse vibes and this team has vibes off the charts and that that pushes you to an extra couple wins in, in a season because the guys are really pulling for each other playing for themselves playing for the manager playing for their teammates alongside scott service is one of the best vibe curators in the league he's a pretty decent game manager and has definitely improved but vibe vibe curator dad of the clubhouse vibes is he's top five at least top three honestly but let's just get into it. What would constitute a success in the 2023 season for the Seattle Mariners? Last year, they break the drought. They win the AL Walker Series over the Toronto Blue Jays in dramatic fashion. One of the greatest comeback wins in playoff history. Probably the best game I've ever watched in my entire life. And then promptly got swept in the ALDS by a divisional rival and future World Series champion Houston Astros in the most competitive 3-0 sweep of all time. You could make a case the Mariners should have won those three games, uh, but no. Razor-thin margins in the playoffs with baseball, man. Uh, it was it was tough to see, but I don't think anyone left this season with their heads, you know, not held high. I mean, it was tough to lose one to the Astros, but they're a better team than the Mariners. It was tough in the manner we lost, obviously. It was... Uh, pretty heartbreaking considering we you know those three games were pretty winnable but again we go into the offseason heads held high the vibes are really good the team they didn't arrive early per se but it's not like we were going to go into this offseason and the team we're going to lose crucial guys like the young core is intact ownership and and uh the front office have been pretty committed to having this team win with you know trading for Luis Castillo that's that's a type of move you do you trade for the best pitcher available if you're committed to winning uh, so going in the offseason the vibes are fantastic uh, vibes are fantastic particularly because the offseason there were so many hopes of the Mariners uh, spending money they've ran a pretty low payroll since um, since DePoto took over he's cut a lot of the payroll the rebuild has gone well. The young core is intact. You have a lot of young players with uh, team-friendly contracts for the foreseeable future in the short term. 
and you look to augment that with free agent signings. Um, and it's not like the team doesn't have money to spend. They've ran pretty high payrolls in the past, and there's a reasonable expectation they would spend a decent amount of money this season. There was some hope of getting one of the top shortstops available. I I never really thought that was going to happen, but in the back of my mind, it, I knew it was possible just because it's not like this team is really high payroll, right? Like everyone looked at the payroll. They looked at what it's been in the past. They look at the money they've saved in this rebuild. Now's the time to spend, particularly looking forward to the 2024 offseason, which is particularly weak among position players, which the team needs a lot more than pitchers. This offseason, uh, we expected more. Um, obviously we all know what happened. DePoto didn't waste any time improving this team. Uh, he traded for Colton Wong and he traded for, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I almost just choked thinking about how they did spend any money this off season. Uh, they traded for Teoscar Hernandez and Colton Wong. Um, not uh, pretty much immediately into the off season. Uh, it feels like that happened a freaking long, long, long time ago. Uh, but immediately the vibes were even higher. Because, as we know, Jerry DePoto loves to build his team through trades. Uh, not necessarily free agent signings, but trades. And trading for Colton Wong and Teoscar Hernandez, those guys improve this team. Uh, it's at least improve it and at least improve the floor. You lose Mitch Hanniger through free agency. Um, other guys we lost, Carlos Santana, who was midseason acquisition, was pretty pivotal down the stretch for the Mariners, lost him. I thought they should have just re-signed him to, like, what? He took one for, like, $8 million or $7 million with the Pirates. Why not give him that? Didn't understand. Uh, Matty Boyd, again, in midseason acquisition, went back to the Tigers. Mitch Hanniger, Kirk Casale, and Adam Frazier all became free agents. Uh, so you kind of had somewhat of a hole in right field. Um, you know you needed to replace Matt Boyd in the bullpen a little bit with at least another arm. And then Carlos Santana was the backup for his baseman in DH. Adam Frazier was your starting second baseman. So those are all positions you needed to fill. DePoto fills second baseman almost immediately, flipping Winker and Toro uh, to the and Joseph Hernandez to the Brewers for Colton Long. I will say, um, man, Jesse Winker's time with the Mariners was what a disappointment. Um, didn't perform off the field or on the field well. Apparently just not a good clubhouse guy and... Surprising they managed to keep the vibes up so high with him in that clubhouse. But I, I like uh, I like the Brewers just taking a chance like on him. They get a, a utility infielder who's one of the more good-looking men in the league in Abraham Toro. Uh, J.C. Winker, who pretty low risk. Like, I mean, he can't be much worse than he was last year. Uh, and then Joseph Fernandez, who had a breakout season last year at Everett, um, promising young pitcher. I don't know what his outlook is with the Brewers, but I uh, he had a breakout last year, and I was looking forward to seeing what he was going to do this year. I'll still follow him because I appreciate uh, what he did in effort last year. But that was a pretty big trade. You trade for Colton Wong, and he is automatically and instantly an upgrade to Adam Frazier in almost every way. Um, Colton Wong offensively throughout his whole career has, and now, He's never really been above average at one thing, or he's never been like elite at one thing, I should say. He's average or above average in every offensive category, which is pretty nice and stable to have at the second base position. Uh, he's maintained a reputation as a gold glove second baseman. Last year, his defense really did take a dip. A lot of just random errors and didn't look as great uh, at second base as obviously he had in the past. And guys do, obviously, uh, their defense starts to dip a little bit when they get older, but it's not like Colton Wong's defense has been dipping consistently for a long time. It went it went just crash, crash down metric-wise last season. Uh, but I'm willing to believe that was somewhat of an anomaly because that just doesn't make sense. So I think his defense projects pretty decently again this year. And all the projections say that was somewhat of an anomaly. Um, you can't just take one really, really bad season and put it up against the previous like eight seasons of great second-base defense and say he's going to be a bad defender this year. So Colton Wong, also a great vibes guy. Colton Wong, really cool, really cool dude. I think it's a culture fit, very much so. 
uh, instantly improves his team, provides a lot of stability at second base that we didn't. You know, Adam Frazier played a lot of games and was pretty decent defensively, but uh, the the hitting and and much else, he wasn't a super valuable player. So that was a great trade right off the bat. And then he he makes the trade for Teoscar Hernandez and for Eric Swanson and Adam Mako. Uh, Mako, promising young young southpaw arm in the system, one of those. Um, a lot of people outside of the Mariners organization probably don't know who he is, but he's been slowly coming along in his development. Uh, seemed like another Mariners pitching development, not gem, but not diamond in the rough either, but just a guy it seemed like they were going to turn into a pretty productive major league pitcher and had done really good work with um, development-wise. So he goes to the Blue Jays as kind of an upside prospect, along with Eric Swanson, who was fantastic for us last year. Tough to see him go, but uh, the bullpen is a is a huge strength for this team, and they can afford uh, losing Eric Swanson if it means getting one of the best hitters in the league consistently the past like three four years. He's been uh, a very above average hitter, and that's really what he provides. Uh, his defense is nothing to write home about. Base running is nothing to write home about. But you can essentially pencil him in for twenty five plus homers every single year. Uh, he'll be a great impact power bat in the middle of the lineup something that they were kind of desperately missing last season uh and obviously you know i love mitch hanniger um and i'm sad to see him go but teoscar hernandez is an upgrade to mitch hanniger uh, especially just with all the injuries mitch hanniger's had um in in the past few seasons couldn't and also a culture fit teoscar i think colton wong and teoscar fit the team's needs on the field production wise and off the field, in the clubhouse, I they both seem like super cool dudes who fit in with this team perfectly. Couldn't be happier about that. Um, and then the other trades that Jerry made, I mean, he gave up... Uh, um, oh, we got, I forgot to mention Justin Topa, relief pitcher we got with, with Colton Long. He's a relief pitcher. I'm not deep diving into Justin Topa right now. Uh, the other notable trade was we had to say goodbye to Kyle Lewis. Uh, we flipped him to the Diamondbacks for Cooper Hummel, who's kind of a catcher, first base, outfield, utility guy who will probably end up being backup corner outfielder slash DH uh, switch hitter. I'm a, he actually, his, his on-base numbers look pretty good, and it looks like he has a pretty good approach at the plate. And I'm assuming the Mariners probably saw something and, and noticed that they could maybe improve his game in some aspects. So that kind of fills the DHE role and kind of not because, like, I don't want to rely on Cooper Hummel at the DH spot. And it was sad to see Kyle Lewis go. Um, the trades kind of made sense. I mean, we don't necessarily need Kyle Lewis on this team anymore. Um, you you trade him to the Diamondbacks, who hopefully hope rooting so hard for Kyle Lewis to bounce back. Um, but those those lingering knee issues, and I talked about this in the Diamondbacks preview, those lingering knee issues that he had uh, in the draft that made him slide to like pick like ten or twelve, wherever we got him, uh, kind of started to manifest themselves these past couple of years. And I really hope, really hope he can get back to playing consistent baseball. Um, but I did, I really didn't hate this trade because you get a little bit out of what's remaining of Kyle Lewis. And a change of scenery might just help him because also he's not going to play center field. Maybe you could convince me he could have been the left fielder. Uh, he's not going to play right fielder with Tay Oscar getting traded. I don't know. It was really, really tough to see him go, though, because he, he really was like the first piece of the quote-unquote rebuild, and he won Rookie of the Year 2020 and then just hasn't been the same since. So rooting hard for the man. But uh, tough to see him go, but... Somewhat encouraged from what we've seen from Cooper Hummel in spring, and he at least is he's a little bit more versatile uh, in terms of of depth, and that is pretty helpful. But we'll have to see what he actually produces this year. And then the other free agent signings again, they didn't really spend much money. They they signed Tommy Listella, um, Trevor Gott, you know, relief pitcher, will throw innings. Uh, um, and then the the quote-unquote big free agency signing that everyone knew was going to happen was A.J. Pollock. And I'm not saying A.J. Pollock's a bad signing, y'all. I'm just saying that's it. Uh, 
it's you know AJ Pollock is a fine signing because they basically were like okay we're, we're Kelnick is in left field and we need someone else at least to platoon with him AJ Pollock not a great fielder not a great base runner not a great hitter against right-handed pitching but he can hit really well against left-handed pitching and that is really hopefully hopefully all that they're going to ask him to do this season um because left field was the biggest question mark for this team coming into the year and they somewhat addressed it with AJ Pollock um but somewhat not I mean I'll get into the lineup and and the depth uh here soon but to touch I talked about this in off-season podcast but it was disappointing as a fan this offseason to um, see the lack of free agent, even interest. I, we didn't hear of the Mariners being involved in, in anyone, really. We heard chatter of Brian Reynolds' trades, but nothing concrete. We didn't hear them um, being like offering any of the big free agents, any of the big shortstops, any of the outfielders that were available, anyone, really, any of the position players. We didn't really hear them being talked about with the Mariners, and that was pretty disappointing. Because, again, like I said, you have a great young core that is under team control and cheap now. And it's all about that augmentation. That word augmentation, I know J.P. Crawford, J.P. DePoto has said he's the shortstop. But an opportunity comes along to secure a Carlos Correa, a Xander Bogarts, um, a Trey Turner. But I don't think Trey Turner was going anywhere other than the Phillies this offseason. Even, even Dansby. Um, uh, Andrew Benintendi, uh, uh, Brandon Nemo, like being aggressive and trying to go after those guys would have been a good thing. Landing one of them would put this team way closer to the Astros than they are now. Uh, and it was just kind of disappointing to see the lack of, uh, even attempting to do that, which was just kind of frustrating. It, it didn't even seem, it seemed like even like, the winter meetings was kind of where it all came to a head where, okay, this is where like the Poto and service are at the winter meetings. They didn't do shit at the winter meetings. They didn't talk to any players. They merely planned out the rest of the off season. And it's just, as a fan, I, I share in all of your disappointment. Uh, everyone was pretty disappointed and kind of angry at ownership. I don't know how much of a say uh, the front office and DePoto has and spend. Obviously, the final say and spend is John Stanton, the majority owner, and he notoriously, you know, seems to be kind of a cheap owner um, who is uh, more inclined to line his pockets rather than aggressively try to put a great baseball team on the field. Uh, and I'm not saying they should have just thrown ignorance amount of money to guys this offseason, but like I talked about, you got to look at the future where if they don't sign Teoscar Hernandez, they lose that bat. And then looking at the free agent class next season in terms of position players, it is so it pales in comparison to the the plethora of options they had this offseason to sign a guy to a long term deal and have a Xander Bogarts, Carlos Correa, what have you, in your lineup for the next ten years. And that's huge. That can propel a team like this to um, World Series contender rather than, you know, AL wildcard hopeful because that's what they are right now. They're not close to the Astros. They would have been closer with, you know, a signing or two this offseason. Um, and they didn't not do anything this offseason. Extending Luis Castillo and Julio, um, Julio during the year and then Luis Castillo, you know, towards the end of the year, that those were great moves. And that's committing money to this team. I'm not saying they haven't committed money to the team. Those are fantastic uh, moves that are a plus a plus um, a plus jobs in my book is extending both those guys, but would have liked to see a little bit more money thrown at, at some free agents this off season because this lineup, while it is improved from last year, it's still a step below those elite teams at the top of the league. Uh, and I'll get into it right now. What is the defense? What's the lineup? What's the pitching staff going to look like this year? We got Tom Murphy is back. Awesome to see Tom Murphy back in spring training. Just hitting. Looked pretty good. Um, Tom Murphy, you know, he provides a little bit of his value from the from his bat. He's a good backup catcher. Uh, can catch the pitching staff really well. 
uh, is a psychopath too. That's why we love him. Uh, great to see him back on the diamond missing all of last year. Uh, but as we know, big dumper himself, Cal Raleigh, the starting catcher for this team. And boy, is it nice to have a all-around good catcher uh, for the future and now. Because listen, I'm, I'm ask any of my friends, I'm one of the biggest Mike Zanino fans around. But there was always like hope with Mike Zanino. You know, it was always like, man, this guy could hit like 40 bombs in a season and be great defensively. And he was pretty damn good defensively for the Mariners, but the offense never really put it together. Calrelli appears to have put it together offensively. Projects to be top 10 catcher in the league, offense and defense. Uh, obviously, has grown uh, quite a good rapport with this pitching staff. Um, caught them really well all last season. Been steadily improving his defense. Um, you know, the catcher position is pretty set. And then Cooper Hummel can provide a third catcher depth there as well, which is good. Uh, I'm sure we'll see him behind the plate a little bit this year. But God willing, Tom Murphy healthy, he'll take the backup role for most of the year. And catcher, pretty not flashy position from the Mariners this year. We know what's going to happen there. Ty France at first base uh, with impending Evan White coming back. He... He is back. He's healthy. Um, I still just don't think Evan White is ever going to be a good MLB hitter. I hope he proves me wrong. But we know he provides gold glove defense. Uh, we'll see if he really is the backup all year. Because I know Tommy Lestella can also back up first baseman. I hope personally the Mariners get, you know, acquires a trade for a full-time DH who can back up first base. Because that's kind of what this team needs right now. But Ty France, pretty consistent. Uh, great start to the year last year. And then um, that wrist injury, I feel like, affected his numbers going forward after he came back. Um, but just a great all-around baseball player. Great hitting. Good bat-to-ball skills. Gets on base at a pretty high clip. Doesn't strike out a whole lot. Uh, has really improved his defense in the past couple of years with the Mariners at first base. Shout-out to Perry Hill. Uh, really rendering Evan White obsolete because I feel like when we first had Ty France and Evan White, it was like, Evan White, there's upside. If he can become even a league average hitter, his defense at first base speaks for itself. Platinum glove type defense. Um, wizard to watch defensively over there. Um, Ty France, it was like, man, he can probably play pretty league average to below league average defense at first even, but he's a good hitter. And then Ty, Ty France has all of a sudden been playing gold glove first base type defense so, great to see. We love Ty France. Viva la France. Again, uh, there's not that many positions on this team, you know. Even going into the offseason, there weren't that many positions that was, like, a big question mark. Most of the core was was returning. Uh, and I talked about second base. Colton Wong at second base with uh, presumably Tommy LaStella backing up right now with Sam Haggerty? Question mark? Because Dylan Moore is hurt with an oblique injury. Um, he has been hitting, uh, I think he just started hitting off a tee, if I remember correctly. He will not start the year with the team. I'm a little worried about an oblique. Uh, I know Scott Service said that he's expected to return in like a few weeks, I think like mid-April, he said. Uh, conservatively, I'm hoping he comes back at least before May. Uh, I know I've talked about this on the show. Obliques, you're just finicky and can and can always nag on you when you think you're completely healthy. He will be the main second baseman backup, I guess. Um, him and Sam Haggerty and Tom Lestella. Uh, but Colton Wong has been pretty healthy in his career, and he, you know, if he plays the whole year, he'll get 500 plus plate appearances and play second base the whole time. And as I said, Colton Wong is just good at everything. He is an elite at one thing, but he's good at everything, and he's awesome. And I'm looking forward to watching him in a manager's uniform. Shortstop, we know, we love him. Somewhat polarizing last year for fans. J.P. Crawford, who's also a little hurt right now, but I think he still projects to be healthy on opening day. With Sam Haggerty as the backup shortstop with Dylan Moore, both of them will just back up both infield spots. J.P., as we know, you know, we know who he is. His defense has taken a little bit of a dip, but he's a fine enough defensive shortstop right now. And his hitting is, is not bad. I feel like he's improved his swing. Um, 
a topsy-turvy year for him last year. Really, we can't, I don't think we can discount what he did at the start of the year. I think people forget that when guys were slumping, when Julio wasn't playing like he um, was promised as a prospect in April, um, when the rest of the team offense-wise was, was, you know, not hitting great, JP was hitting crazy good, and then it took a dip as the year went on. But uh, his hitting was pivotal to winning some some early ball games, and we got to commend him for that. Um, I really just enjoy him as a hitter. Uh, he takes good plate appearances. He doesn't walk or he doesn't strike out a whole lot. Um, he's just a really good contact hitter. Uh, historically, and his strikeout rate has gone down every year of his career, which is really encouraging. His walk rate has jumped up since 2021 and jumped up 3% from last year, which is great. So he is just a pesky little bat in this lineup uh, and also just a pure cultural vibes man as well. And I love him personally. I'm a big fan of JP Crawford. Could we upgrade the shortstop position? Like I said, yeah, sure. But JP is a fine option at shortstop. I, 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 I look at a lot of other teams in this league and obviously the grass is always greener. And like I said, you know, Carlos Correa is an upgrade to J.P. Crawford. But you look at a lot of other shortstop positions in baseball, and it's it's not as good as J.P. Crawford. He provides a lot of stability, uh, and it's it's not to be discounted. I'll say that. Then we got Mr. Vibes at third base, Eugenio Suarez. Boy, again, the Jesse Winker trade, as it was called, has become the Eugenio Suarez trade. All this dude does is hit dingers and have good vibes only. He immediate fan favorite. I don't know if I've ever seen a player on this team become an immediate fan favorite as quickly as Eugenio Suarez. Part of it was just coming into the team with the Corilla Deville hair. Obviously made him stand out. Uh, his good vibes only motto really stuck with this whole team all year. Uh, and then he really had a bounce back year from his prior. Uh, and I highlighted it in some of my first podcasts that I wasn't super surprised he, he played more like Gino Suarez last year than he did in 2021 because the Reds were playing him at shortstop. He's not a very good defensive shortstop. And I think that really, really affected his hitting. Uh, we got him back playing full-time third base in a new situation with a better team, better players around him. And he... Had a fantastic year. A lot of dingers. A lot of good vibes. Uh, just a catalyst for this team the entire year. Uh, and really came in the clutch in a lot of different scenarios. And we all love him. We all love you, Eugenio. And then backing up here, uh, more Dylan Moore. Dylan Moore will back and Sam Haggerty will back up every position on the diamond this season. So pray that Dylan Moore comes back healthy. The outfield is where things get interesting. Not in right field, though. Teoscar Hernandez, full-time right fielder. Uh, I'm fine with him being a little bit below average in right field because, as I said, his bat is just fantastic. Uh, will be a great anchor power bat in the middle of the lineup all year. Uh, and then, presumably, Sam Haggerty will back up right field as well. And then, obviously, we know him. We love him. Julio Rodriguez in center field. Uh, came up last year. Had a tough April. Really didn't hit well. Didn't hit a home run at all. Um, got very, very unlucky with a lot of the strike calls on him, for sure. Very unlucky. Um, but even without those, he still was a pretty pretty bad hitter. But what he did do, at least that month, he stole like 10 bases that month, and he proved that he is a center fielder. Because it feels like a long time ago, but once upon a time, his speed didn't grade out super well, and his defense was somewhat of a question mark in center field. Uh, there was talk of him potentially being a full-time right fielder. If center field didn't pan out, that was a pretty decent likelihood. He came up and he said, no, I am the starting center fielder. I can steal 25 bags a year. Uh, I will play great defense in center. And he did that in April. And then from May on, he was a top 10 player in baseball. He was one of the best players in all of baseball from the month of May to October. Uh, there's no question about it. Coming into this year, legitimate MVP hype uh, for Julio, and it's it's warranted. There's really not a lot. He's 21 years old, and he already is one of the best hitters, base runners, and fielders in the game. Uh, the nitpick here is the strikeout and walk rate. 
Uh, if he s- improves, if he strikes out a little bit less this year and walks a little bit more and keeps that trend going, uh, he'll win MVP. Uh, he he had a crazy season last year with a twenty around a twenty six percent strikeout rate, which is a little bit above league average, and a seven percent walk rate, which is a little bit below league average. If he gets that walk rate closer to ten percent and that strikeout rate down like three percent, I can't even imagine the numbers he's going to put up. That is really the only nitpick with this dude. He's fantastic vibes. He is a potential face of baseball, electric smile, really nice, really awesome, really hardworking. Clearly, everyone loves him. He is going to be with the Mariners at least another decade, potentially 18 years if that contract plays out fully, that we extended him. And the Mariners have franchise cornerstone, MVP to watch for years to come. And the city took to him. You could see just... By the time he was hitting, it felt like every game he did something amazing. Uh, and I only look forward to that continuing. Seeing all of... I didn't get to go to a Mariners game in Seattle last year because I was gone a lot of the year and then I moved. Uh, but seeing videos of him uh, signing autographs for, for little kids at Seattle and seeing videos and, and seeing people talk about just how many kids in like Julio Rodriguez gear at the Mariners game means so much to the city of Seattle, means so much to the team. They really haven't had, I mean, each real, I guess, like Ken Griffey Jr., but recent times there hasn't been like the guy where you say Mariners and it's like, oh, superstar, superstar. Julio Rodriguez is a superstar in every sense of the word. Uh and it means like insane am- amount to to all the Mariners fans that he's so committed to the city, and he clearly is. Really, I get emotional talking about thinking like thinking about all the little kids in his gear at Mariners games because that is just what a lovely sight to see that we haven't really seen in Seattle in some time. Uh, I could go on and on about this dude. But there's really, like, how do you improve on last season? You win MVP. How is he going to win MVP? It's going to be tough, obviously, in the American League. You got Aaron Judge. You got Mike Trout. You got Shohei Otani, just to name a few. Um, really, I, I, Jordan, I'm not going to take what Jordan Schusterman said uh, about the Mariners They uh, on their podcast a couple days ago. But, like, winning the division is what he said it would take Julio to win, to win MVP. And I think it's true. Again, if he cuts back on the strikeouts, walks a little bit more, and largely does what he did from May on last year, and if the Mariners end up winning the division, legitimate case for him winning MVP. But that being said, he's not going to win it over Shohei if Shohei plays a full season anywhere like he did last year. Uh, And Aaron Judge is always looming to win MVP as well. Uh, But it's it's amazing, and it's going to be awesome to watch this dude potentially play a full career in a Mariners uniform. Uh, And I got to stop myself. There's other players to talk about on this team uh, because then we get into left field and that's where things get spicy with this, with this lineup left field was the position, the the biggest position of, of question mark uh, coming into the off season and still kind of now um, I've voiced a lot of my concerns over this and the lack of attention to it but there's something to be said with sticking with Jared Kelnick is the best thing for him if like maybe all he really needs is the team to really believe in him and more consistent playing time to become the player he's meant to be I am I'm very skeptical uh basically they signed Pollock, and DePoto came out and said it will be a platoon. It'll be a Kelnick Pollock platoon in left field. Um, I really, I really have. I've I've been very vocal about. It's not like that. I dislike Jared Kelnick. I just think going into the year, when you could have improved that left field in one way or another, with a proven MOB starter at left field, and they didn't do that. Rolling with Kelnick and Pollock as a platoon, although you kind of know what Pollock is, he can he's really only viable against left-handed pitchers. You still don't really know what Jared Kelnick is. The 
the mayor's organization knows a lot more than I do about what he is, of course. I just think it's generally a mistake if you really are wanting to commit to winning a World Series to just automatically, you know, stick him in left field and let him figure it out based on what we've seen from him in the past at the major league level. Uh, that being said, what a spring he had. He looked fantastic in spring training. And I don't really put much stock into spring training. I've said that. Um, I don't watch a whole lot of spring training, although I keep up with what guys are doing. But I don't really, you know, a great spring training doesn't translate to a great season in most ways, especially with unproven guys. That being said, his obviously his stats and his numbers are great in spring training, but what we all noticed and everyone noticed was his approach looked better, his swing was tweaked a little bit, and just looked better than it has. Uh, and so I'm confident that he can, at the very least, not be a negative war player this year. I'll say that. Um, but I still, like, there's so much optimism there's so much pressure on him to succeed. I really hope he does. Uh, I really, he really was, must have been harmed from the 2020 season. Like, he was poised to come up basically that year after 2019 or 2021, uh, even poised to come up and make an impact. And the stoppage because of COVID, just no training, no working with the, uh, with the coaches, really. Like, I think that really, really hurt his development and might be irreversible not to say he won't become a good major league player but the ceiling on this kid was the sky's the limit it was like oh it was julio and kelnick um two two all-stars of the outfield of the future and kelnick has not really panned out yet uh it's very intriguing uh, all eyes are on him to start this year because if that left field is a hole it's a pretty big one and they'll need to address it because that is a big hole in the lineup and in the outfield, but he really has looked good in spring. I'm trying not to get my my expectations too high. Um, just looking forward to seeing what he does. Uh, again, I still will hold uh, hold my ground on saying not addressing that and letting you know a Kellnick Pollock platoon be your your starting left field for the 2023 Mariners is uh, kind of quitter talk and. They should have done something to address that position free agency-wise this offseason, and they could have. They didn't. I think that's a mistake. But that being said, rooting very hard for Jared Kilnick. Really, what's going ha- to be the clincher is, like, if he doesn't come out the gate hitting well and he goes through a little bit of a slump where he's striking out a lot, he's breaking bats and all that, we've seen that from him before, will he come back from that? Uh, that is the clincher because he'll hit slumps. He'll have slumps this year. It's how he responds to those slumps this season that is crucial for the rest of his career. Uh, and I really hope you can put it all together. I think at the very least his his fielding and he's his his fielding will be good. He's got good arm. Appears to be you know pretty well, uh, re- good decent range out there in left field. I am just so wary on that entire position and then AJ Pollock I talked about uh, maybe we'll see a little Cade Marlowe up there some point this year probably see some Haggerty out there probably some Hummel uh, unfortunately Taylor Trammell broke his hand and and won't be back for um, let me see here I mean he won't be back until like May at least uh, I'm Trammell was the other guy with Kelnick that was like Earned the spot, and then Trammell got hurt, so I was like, okay, so it's Kilnix to, to lose now again. Um, but we'll probably see Trammell back up in the bigs playing that position this year. You know, Brian Reynolds was a name thrown a lot, thrown around a lot this offseason for a trade. I think he still will be traded, just the Pirates are going to wait till the deadline because uh, that's when teams will get desperate and they'll probably get a greater return than they would have this offseason. The Mariners will probably be in that mix. I would assume the Mariners would be in that mix, like the Yankees, top two teams in the AL. That would probably be in the mix that if you know if Kelnick's not a great player uh this season or even good if he's good I don't think they'll do anything if he's more what we've seen the past couple years they're gonna have to do something they're gonna have to do something and why 
the depth is thin at this team. Let's go to DH. The DH position, there is no DH. Pollock, I guess, is the DH. Uh, if Kelnick ends up hitting well against lefties, maybe you just DH Pollock and play Kelnick and left against lefties. Um, Thomas Stella might DH a little bit. Like Cooper Hummel might DH a little bit. I like Teoscar might DH. Uh, maybe you play Haggerty in right field, or when Trammell comes back up, you play him in right field, and Teoscar DHs. Um, this this lineup is is pretty solid, but it's missing. Like top down, it's it's not uh, top down. It's pretty good. It's fine. It's missing one more big bat. Uh, w- again, where they could have addressed this offseason, it re- it's missing another all star caliber bat in this lineup because you have Julio, who's the all star caliber bat in this team, and then you have you know Kyle Raleigh will hit a lot of home runs, the same with Eugenio, but they're not complete offensive players. Teoscar is the same thing. He'll hit for a lot of power and have good at bats, but he's not. You know he's 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 going to provide a lot of value, but he you can't just pencil him in as an all star. They need a like Ty France and uh, is a good hitter, but he's not just a bona fide automatic all star. Same with Colton Wong. Same with J P Crawford. They needed and they still need, I in my opinion, another big impact bat in this lineup to really be taken seriously as a World Series contender. And it's just not there. And the problem is. The depth after that is just bad. Like Sam Haggerty and Dylan Moore are great utility guys, but after them, you don't really have a backup first baseman. Tommy Lestel is not a good player. I'm not looking forward to watching him play for the Mariners. I'll say that right now, uh, especially with who was available to get. Like the backup, like they have a, a decent amount of depth at outfielder with guys who can just play outfield. But again, like the DH spot. They need that impact bat who can potentially be a full-time DH backup first baseman. They don't really have a backup third baseman at all this this year. They don't like. They needed someone a a big slugging, good hitting DH that can fill in at first base or backup third base, backup first or third, full-time DH. They need a guy like that in this lineup for depth purposes. To round out the lineup as a whole, they need that, and they don't have it. And I'm a little worried about the depth. With if injuries happen, I'm worried about this offense plummeting, kind of like it did last year when when guys got hurt. And they simply did not do enough to address that this offseason. I don't think. Um, that being said, it's Jerry Depoto, and trades will happen again. I'm sure. I'm sure we will. Uh, he'll 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 make another trade right after I release this podcast. Uh, I'm sure they'll address team needs based with trades based on how the year is going but that is my opinion on this lineup it's still a better lineup than last year with Colton Long and Teoscar in it but again they're missing they're missing one more piece they're missing one more all-star bat in here to really be a great great lineup but then you get to like the huge strength of this team the starting pitching in the bullpen you have Luis Castillo who I I just love watching him pitch. He's one of those guys who his stats look good, but when you watch him, it's just amazing to watch him work and pitch through games. Just just an awesome pitcher to watch in every sense of the word. There's not even a one one thing. It's kind of an intangible, like, man, just watching him pitch is awesome, and it really is. Uh, Robbie Ray, who last season, I mean, he came into the to the Mariners with a big contract, and Cy Young expectations. And I wish I had this podcast last year because I would have tempered the expectations a little bit. That year was not going to be... He wasn't going to have that year again. One, the peripheral numbers, you know, FIP expected ERA, expected um, like Sierra and stuff. All were higher than his ERA. Um, The strikeouts were legit. And he struck out a lot of dudes again last year. Uh, But he really just was stung by the long ball. That being said, you ask, depending on who you ask, Mariners fan-wise, they might say Robbie Ray wasn't good last year. He was great last year, uh, really up and down. Like his month-to-month splits are kind of crazy to look at, uh, pretty inconsistent, but overall, body of work-wise, a good starting pitcher, a good middle-of-the-rotation pitcher. Um, just not like a perennial Cy Young guy. Like I'm assuming some more casual fans expected assigning this Cy Young from last year but again, 
delving into the stats and looking at his numbers really showed that he wasn't going to replicate that year at all, and he probably never will again unless he gets exceedingly lucky or makes more improvements. Uh, amidst some struggles last year, he, he came back from injury. He added that sinker, and that really looked like the pitch that would propel him back to being really, really good because um, fastball, fastball slider, elite slider, um, good fastball, he needed that sinker as as a third secondary pitch in the back of hitters' minds to keep him off balance, uh, particularly to like right-handed and uh, uh, running away from right-handed pitchers with the slider cutting in, uh, and then really against lefties is where that sinker will come into play because he had a tendency to hang that slider, and you hang the slider to the lefty, they're gonna demolish it, uh, or even put a fastball low in the zone to Jordan Alvarez in the playoffs, he will demolish it. Uh, the sinker provides something he can get in on the hands a lot easier with lefties too. So I'm encouraged to see where that ends up this year. Uh, and then Logan Gilbert and George Kirby, just amazing young pitchers. Logan Gilbert, um, a similar where I looked at his numbers and, and the expected numbers were a little bit worse than his ERA. And it makes sense. I mean, his fastball is his best pitch. He throws it a lot. He throws it for strikes a tremendous amount. Uh, that's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a double-edged sword. It's a great fastball, but if guys can sit fastball, they will they will hit the shit out of it. And they did a little bit last year. I think the reason those expected numbers were a little bit higher is because he gave up a decent amount of hard contact to um, with that fastball. We saw a glimpse of a changeup last year, uh, and his curveball and slider um, are good pitches. They they improved last year, and then apparently he's more going to splitter. <laughs> um but his fastball is his foundation. That's where he lives. That's how he wins. The secondary pitches need to be there and need to be good enough to where hitters can't just sit on his fastball. Because uh, his fastball is great, but again, you sit on fastball and the major leagues, hitters will hitters will catch up to it. Uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing what improvements he made this offseason because he seems like a dude, and everyone's talked about him. Robbie Ray in particular is like, he picked up this splitter, and it's fantastic. Like, he's just that type of pitcher. He's going to work at it. He's really talented. Um, and if anyone is going to improve year over year and be a fantastic hitter or pitcher, it'll be Logan Gilbert. And I'm excited to see what he provides us this year. Uh, and sh- him showing emotion down the stretch last year on the mound was awesome. <laughs> him and George Kirby both started to scream a little bit more down the stretch, which was fantastic to watch. And then George Kirby, man, what a pleasure he is to watch pitch. He came up elite command didn't walk really anyone in the minors and he showed that yeah yeah he's that dude command wise uh got better every start i feel like um we wouldn't have gotten to the 18th in 18th inning of a <laughs> zero run game in seattle in game three of the series of the astros without seven scoreless from george kirby against the best lineup in the league um potential just sky's the limit for this for this dude uh, his two-seamer was deadly last year. He dots his fastball, good downward movement on the slider, and tunnels it really well with his fastball. But the two-seamer was the beauty pitch last year that really he started to use later in the year, running in or running out. A backdoor two-seamer to lefties was naughty last year. Uh, he dots it up in the corner of the zone. It's so hard to hit, and I'm just so excited to watch him pitch again this year. Uh, we'll see what they do with his innings. There's, st- I, I want to say they'll still cap his innings at a certain amount, especially if we'll be pitching in the playoffs. Um, but I mean, he is ace potential, and I can only see him going up from here. And it's just, just a pleasure to watch him pitch. I mean, I man, I love, I love him. Uh, fifth starter is where things are a little interesting. It looks like it's going to be Marco Gonzalez again, a polarizing player amongst the fans. I love Marco. Um, go Zags. Uh, a lot of speculation this offseason about trading Marco or Kirby. They were never going to trade, or not not Kirby, Jesus, uh, Flexen, Flexen or Marco. Um, they were never going to trade Marco. I mean, they wouldn't get like a whole lot for him, given he's paid more than Chris Flexen. Chris Flexen, is under team control uh, for like four more years at a cheaper price and proved to be good last year. So trade value wise, Flexen would fetch a bigger price. And I think that's why 
his name was suggested in a lot of trades and still is, and he still might get traded. Uh, but to talk about Marco, Marco's a fine fifth starter. I mean, you'll, you'll find worse fifth starters in him. Uh, again, intangible culture fit, I'll say. Um, but really, I mean, not a great year last year, but he threw 183 innings. Uh, I mean, his arrows 4.13. The expected numbers were a little bit higher, but he ended with a 4.13 ERA in 183 innings. And from a fifth starter, you can't really ask much more than that. Uh, I think the ire with the fans is we now get to see guys like Luis, uh, Luis Castillo and Logan Gilbert. And, you know, these guys who are flamethrowers who can strike a lot of people out and like Robbie Ray and, and Kirby Allers, awesome pitchers who have potential for amazing strikeouts. And, and Marco just doesn't really do that. And I think we might just be tired of watching him pitch like that. Personally, I think he's a fine fifth starter. And I think this team is fine with him as a fifth starter. I think he's a good fifth starter. I'll, I'll say it. Uh, a lot of people really don't like Marco Gonzalez, but hanging on to him and having him as a fifth starter is pretty valuable, uh, especially with the rest of the, the rotation looking like this. And then with Chris Flexen, I am I like, I like understand why they might trade him because it's a surplus you know, in the starter position, but holding on to him is also a good idea just because of depth. And if he ends up, you know, maybe they they roll out a six-man rotation part of the year. Uh, if any guy goes down, Flexen's available, and he's a very good, serviceable pitcher to take anyone's place. Uh, I really just don't see the point of trading him unless there's a very lucrative trade, like including him in like a trade for Glaber Torres I've seen recently is enticing. Uh, if he's included in like the, a trade for Brian Reynolds, also, I'd probably part ways. But I just don't think they should be shopping him around because he's very valuable to this team. Both you can just stick him in the bullpen for long relief, and just as a sixth starter, one of the better six starters, like probably the best sixth starter in the league. Uh, he's just a great, great depth piece to have, and provides a lot of stability in depth in the starting pitchers. So I'm really not worried about the depth here. Um, Cause then you guys, you have guys in the minor leagues in case any of the other guys go down as well. Um, three to four names in particular, Taylor Dollard, Emerson Hancock, Bryce Miller, and Brian Wu. Um, Taylor Dollard and Hancock, Taylor Dollard, I'm likely to see more of this year, potentially out of the bullpen. Same with Bryce Miller. He really burst onto the scene last year and proved why, um, he's a top 100 prospect and looked great in spring. And his stuff is just electric, fastball slider. Um, his stuff would play really well in the bullpen. And I'm I'm imagining, if not as a starter, we'll see him throw uh, a, some innings out of the bullpen this year. Uh, and then Taylor Dollard, Emerson Hancock, we know they've been in the org for a little while. Uh, I imagine we'll see them this year. Uh and then also Brian Wu, uh, everyone in the organization I've heard talk about him loves Brian Wu. Uh, not a very well-known name, but I think this year is his potentially, not Bryce Miller year, but a year to prove why there's, you know, this offseason and this spring, um, they've talked so highly about him. So really excited to see what he can do this season as well. And then you get into the bullpen, and it's one of the best bullpens in the in the league. It's a top five bullpen in the league. Uh, Paul Sewell. Andres Munoz is your closer, one of the best pitcher, bullpen pitcher, closers, one of the best closers in the league, hands down. Uh, Diego Castillo, Matt Brash, Penn Murphy, Trevor Gott, Matt Festa. This bullpen is deep. This bullpen is really good. Uh, Casey Sadler's back this year. He'll start out in the minors, but I'm excited to see him back in the bullpen. Uh, you know, maybe we won't see another 60 innings of no-run baseball again from him, but uh, getting him back is awesome. And then Justin Topa, we'll probably see in the bullpen too. Maybe Isaiah Campbell, a minor league guy. Um, and as I said, like Bryce Miller maybe in the bullpen. Like Brennan Bernardino, Darren McCowan, like Travis Kuhn, a guy from Arkansas who had a really solid year last year out of the bullpen for them. We'll probably see him up pitching with this team a little bit. Uh, his bullpen is just great. Um, Paul Sewald, what a career resurgence he's had. Andres Munoz, there were worries coming into last year about TJ taking the velocity off of his arm. 
boy, boy, did it not pumping a hundred three mile an hour fastballs last year with his slider, which is his best pitch. Uh, Diego Castillo's great. Matt Brash is just looks so good in the bullpen. Not a good starter last year, uh, but was just fantastic when he made his switch to the bullpen. And then Penn Murphy, uh, Penn Murphy is probably really underrated nationally. And even with Mariners fans, he had a great year last year. Um, similar ish to Paul Seawald, you know, kind of side army fastball slider, but does it really well. Um, the only hole, uh, is a, a lefty, an impact lefty. Eric Swanson somewhat filled in as that last year. Cause he, uh, was really good against left-handed hitting, but, they're kind of missing that, you know, lefty specialist out of the bullpen. Not to say they won't add a guy midseason trading wise to be that, but if any bullpen can have predominantly right-handed pitching pitched to lefties all year, it'll be this bullpen because, like Seawald and Penn Murphy specifically, um, their their side arminess and their slider we uh sweeping in towards lefties is really can be really really good against lefty pitching um similar to Matt Festa and like Matt Brash the stuff's just filthy enough to where they might not necessarily need uh a impact lefty out of the bullpen because uh, it's also just really deep so I'm you know I'm not worried about this bullpen at all and we'll probably see flexing out there this year too and um really like the only guy of this entire staff that I'm really worried about the pitch clock affecting is Diego Castillo. Uh, and I think he'll make adjustments and be fine. Because he, he just fidgets a lot out there on the mound. We, we know this. Um, but every other pitcher on this team, you know, the bullpen's a little bit unique with how they pitch. But bullpen guys tend to pitch, you know, a lot of them tend to pitch quicker in this bullpen. Um, the starters, too, all of them just work through these games. It's part of the reason why, not only that they're good, it's part of the reason why I love this pitching staff, is they all work pretty quick. They they don't really dilly-dally, and I don't see any of them being significantly affected by the pitch clock. Diego Castillo really is the only guy I can see being potentially affected by the pitch clock. Otherwise, I think the rest of the staff is big chillin'. But that that is the team. I mean... I talked a little bit about some prospects in terms of a prospect overview. We'll probably see a little Bryce Miller, Emerson Hancock. Um, I don't know if we'll see Brian Wu. And then, you know, the the prospects are... The, it's a little thin, like, in terms of, like, top 100 guys. We only had two, Harry Ford and Bryce Miller, our top two prospects. Uh, and Harry Ford had a, a great WBC. That was really fun to watch. But otherwise... It's not like it's super depleted. It's more just it makes sense. We don't have a super highly rated farm given the amount of graduations we've had in the past couple of years. And we've traded away, uh, particularly last season, traded away quite a few of our top 30 guys uh, for Major League talent. So it just makes sense. It's a little bit thinner than it has been the past few years, but this team is, is you know, they're contending now. Um, so it makes sense. And, and not everyone can be the Dodgers, um, but really like the, the talent at the top of the system is still really good. And then I also just think, um, the, the guys in the low minors, the ones who joined the system recently, like within the past year or two who aren't, you know, on the radar for top 100 right now. Uh, I trust the system to develop them pretty well into, into good players. Uh, we've seen it like Cole Young's our, our number three prospect drafted him last year, like film and Celestin, will be, you know, maybe our number one prospect after we see him stateside next year or uh, this season after we see what he does. Um, like, guys like Robert Perez Jr., like Michael Arroyo, like these dudes who were in the complex, like Lazaro Montez, um, guys in the complex and the lower minors don't really ever make it on the top 100. But I can see in the next two you know, one to two years having more guys in the top 100 just because um, the top guys are pretty good. The, there's not a lot of, like, big talent and, like, you know, AAA, AA, close now will be ready. But the ones in the in the complexes and then the really low minors, I have a lot of confidence in the team to develop them uh, to be potential top 100 guys. So, you know, coming into the year, 
low rank farm system, but for good reason, and it's you know nothing to to bat an eye at. Uh, and then another guy I want to talk about, Prelander Baroa. We saw, I taught he was on my uh, minor league team of the year at the end of the season last year. Great year. Uh, we saw him in spring a little bit. He looked a, like his stuff looked fantastic in spring. So he's another one potentially who could make the jump from double A to the majors in terms of a, a bullpen role because his stuff just looks nasty and it looks like made for uh, a bullpen role to start out his career given the the clutter at um, starting pitching right now. But really encouraging to see uh, what we saw from him in spring. And he's the type of guy I'm talking about. He wasn't really on anyone's radars going into last year. We had made, we had traded for him middle of the year uh, and ended the year really strong comes in this season, um, pitches really well in spring. Like uh, I, I'm confident the Mariners can can develop guys like that a lot more right now, which is really encouraging. So that is that is this team. I mean, what is what else is there to say? I mean, this division. Everyone, I, I said it yesterday in, in the AOS preview. This division did get better, and the Astros merely maintained their lead in the division they didn't get a whole lot better necessarily but they're not worse the angels got better the rangers got better the a's got marginally better not that that matters um and the mariners did improve as a team i just don't think they did enough uh to be in the astros conversation yet uh you know talked about it already on this on this episode but um, could have done more this offseason. Somewhat of a disappointing offseason despite the team improving. Um, it's more just we were kind of left wanting a little bit more as fans uh, of this team. But that being said, um, this is a good team. They were good last year. They're going to be good again this year. They've improved a little bit from last year, especially just they improved their floor uh, from last year with every position except for maybe left field kind of left to to you know, major league guys who we trust and who we know will at least be uh, solid contributors to the team. So I I don't know what would constitute a success this year. Um, making the playoffs is the starter. Uh, I don't think there's really World Series expectations, although, like, once you make the playoffs, then you, you know, you start talking yourself into making a run to the World Series. I think um, securing a wild card spot Winning the division would be the probably pinnacle of the season. I don't see that happening unless the Astros really free fall or this team just goes on an absolute tear. Uh, but I, unless they address some of the offensive depth issues, I don't. I, I think that'll hold this team back a little bit is the, the lack of, of real MLB depth at each position, particularly like first base, third base. They could use another um, another outfield DH type, again, another impact bat in this lineup would really, really take them to new heights. But um, they didn't add, you know, that this offseason. But Teoscar is awesome. Really looking forward to watching him and Colton Wong play uh, for the team all year. Um, really encouraged just by what the young guys did last year. I'm sure they'll build on that. Uh, and then Julio MVP campaign, man, it starts, uh, it starts on Thursday, starts opening day, officially MVP campaign for Julio Rodriguez. And then, uh, to end here, the over under according to bed MGM on the Mariners is 88 and a half. So a decent amount over, um, what the projections say the Mariners are going to do this year. Uh, and man, that 88 and a half is a tough one. I could totally like, Oh, this might be Vegas's best line. I could see them winning less than that, like easily see them winning like 85 games only. But in terms of optimism and being a homer, I'm going to say over just because over 88 and a half, I think, I think this team wins 90 games again. Uh, there's a world where they, you know, win 80 games and miss the playoffs. But I think it's way less likely with the additions they made this offseason. And who they retained from last season. So that is the Seattle Mariners. I am excited to watch them this year. Opening day can't come soon enough. We're so close. Um, hopefully, maybe I'll be able to see a game or two up in Seattle later in the year. But 
I know I will be going to some uh, some Padres. Uh, we the Mariners go down to San Diego twice this year. I'll probably see them at least once down there, uh, and then hopefully every game they come down here to play the Angels, I'll see them as well. Uh, so really looking forward to watching this team play baseball live again. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening the the whole preview pods. If you listen to all of them. Again, please DM me. I said this last episode. If you listen to all my preview pods, I will give you a kiss. I'll give you a big fat smooch. Um, But thank you all for listening this far. Be sure, you know, if you feel inclined, rate or review. Recommend all your Mariners friends. Um, In the season, uh, it'll be mostly Mariners content. Podcast-wise, I'll be talking uh, hopefully, you know, weekly, maybe bi-weekly, depending on my schedule. Uh, Mariners podcasts you know, recapping what's what's going on, and then maybe one here or there talking one-off fun stuff, maybe a minor league update, maybe just like a league-wide what's, what's happening sort of deal. But uh, the content will keep rolling this summer, and, you know, I am really just really excited to have baseball on every day until October starting uh, tomorrow uh, when you're listening to this, hopefully on Wednesday before opening day. Starting tomorrow, baseball on every day. Absolute hype. Uh, Thanks again, y'all. Hope you have a good rest of your day, and most importantly, go Mariners.